Ubiquity, the history of designs we take for granted. Created by Chris Whitwood. In 1968, Dr. Spencer Silver had a problem, or rather he had a solution. As a research scientist working for the American 3M company, he and the other members of the Five Strong team were tasked with developing an ultra-strong adhesive to be used in aircraft fabrication. What Silver came up with, however, was almost the opposite. Far from discovering an aerospace-grade glue, he had stumbled across a pressure-sensitive, low-tack adhesive. Further research led him to realise that the microscopic acrylic spheres it contained had some unusual properties. The pressure sensitivity meant a bond could be created just by the gentle application of force. The microspheres would grip when a force was applied at a tangent to the sticky surface, but as they were much larger than those in other adhesives, the bond was much weaker, meaning the glue would not leave behind a tacky residue and could be reused. Put simply, the glue was sticky enough to hold the weight of, say, a small piece of card or paper stuck to another, but weak enough that pages could be pulled apart again without tearing. But what is the point of a glue that doesn't stick? That was Dr. Silver's problem. Art Fry was a keen singer. Every Wednesday he would practice with his church choir, marking the pages of his hymnal with pieces of scrap paper. By Sunday, however, it wasn't uncommon for some of those pieces to have fallen out, leaving Fry to hastily flick through the pages to try find the right hymn. If only there was a way to ensure the bookmarks remained where he left them. His eureka moment happened one Sunday in 1974. As a chemist working in 3M's tape division, he had come across Silver's unusual adhesive during an internal company seminar. As the church sermon progressed, Fry began pondering. In Silver's adhesive, the closer the acrylic microspheres were to each other, the stickier they became. And as the space between the spheres increased, the stickiness decreased. Surely, thought Fry, there must be a sweet spot where the resultant glue was able to prevent his bookmarks from falling out, but not cause damage to the hymnal. The next Monday, he got in touch with Silver. There is a proverb which states, failure is not falling down, but refusing to get up. This was a lesson well heeded by Silver, whose relentless advocacy for his creation had earned him the nickname Mr. Persistent. Numerous early ideas were dismissed, including a bulletin board to which memos could be attached and removed without the need for pins. This was abandoned as sales of bulletin boards were not high enough to make the product profitable. Enter Fry and his idea of putting the adhesive on the paper itself. Initial management enthusiasm was muted. However, 3M had a policy of permitted bootlegging, whereby employees were able to spend 15% of their time on projects of their own interest. Fry and Silver stuck at it. After more trial and error, they hit upon a formula which granted just the right amount of adhesion so that page markers would stay in place 
but not tear when removed. To test the glue, they acquired scrap paper from a research laboratory down the corridor. The colour was yellow, thus the sticky note took on its characteristic hue. To make them easier to remove, the glue, unlike on sticky labels, was only placed at one end. The final step in the development puzzle came when the scientists began writing messages on the notes to communicate with one another around the office. Fry later recalled the revelation that what they had created was more than just a bookmark. It was, he said, a whole new way to communicate. The post-it note was born. It would prove a difficult birth. In 1977, nearly a decade after Silver had first stumbled across the strange adhesive, the post-it note, then called Press and Peel, was first marketed. Four cities across the US were chosen to measure public response to the new product. Hardly anyone bought it. Fortunately for Silver and Fry, 3M's product laboratory manager, Jeff Nicholson, believed the issue was not a lack of value, but rather people didn't know the value of what they were buying. A year later, 3M deployed a marketing strategy which would come to be known as the Boise Blitz. Free samples were sent out to companies across the city of Boise, Idaho, and responses were tracked to see how many companies reordered. It was a phenomenal success. 90% of those who tried the new product said they would buy it. Within two years, sales hit $2 million. From a marketing perspective, post-it notes were ingeniously self-advertising. Whether stuck to documents in order to exchange comments, used to mark key passages in texts, or as a tool to brainstorm ideas, Silver and Fry's invention rapidly became an essential yet unassuming item of office stationery. That ubiquity is key to the post-it note success. Today, over 50 billion post-it notes are produced each year. They can be found in homes, offices and classrooms in over 100 countries across the world. They have even become digital. Apps such as Microsoft Sticky Notes or Google Jamboard allow users to leave virtual notes on their computer desktops in the same way we post physical ones around the office. Yet whilst the technology has changed, the square shape and bright colours of post-it notes are so recognisable, these elements have remained the same even in their digital form. There are however drawbacks. Recycling sticky notes can prove problematic. The State of California Recycling Office reported that many paper mills treat sticky notes as contaminants and that colours, particularly fluorescent ones, create challenges for the recycling of high-grade white paper. Then there were the long-term effects of temporary adhesives with regard to document conservation. In 1988, the American National Archives and Records Administration conducted a study on the use of sticky notes. The researchers found that even if removed immediately, some adhesive residue remained on the paper which could, over time, lead to a build-up of dirt and acidity causing damage to historical documents. Nothing is ever truly temporary. Every product has a life cycle from manufacture to use to disposal that must be considered by the designer. One thing that certainly does seem enduring, however, is the post-it notes appeal. 
The artist and broadcaster Bob Ross was renowned for referring to slips on the canvas not as mistakes, but as happy little accidents. The story of the post-it note, from the iconic yellow colour or using them to jot down messages, to the discovery of the adhesive itself, is one of chance, observation and experiment. These modest squares of sticky yellow paper serve as a reminder that sometimes the skill of the designer lies not in the ability to devise a complete product or process from scratch. Instead, it is in the ability to recognise and embrace a happy little accident. Thank you for listening to Ubiquity, the history of designs we take for granted. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow the series on social media using the handle ubiquity underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram, or search Ubiquity Podcast on Facebook. All episodes will be available on YouTube. Please leave a like and a comment, as I'd love to hear your feedback and your ideas for future episodes. If you want to support the podcast financially, or just say thank you, please visit the Ubiquity Podcast Patreon at patreon.com forward slash ubiquity underscore pod. Patrons will also gain access to all of the scripts as episodes are released, and we'll be able to vote on subjects for episodes in upcoming series. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you once again for listening. <laughs>